0: In the shadow of the evening trees, I'm Jennifer Von Ebers. I'm David Von Ebers. Welcome back to episode 35 of our podcast. Well, it's not
1: welcome back to episode 35, because they haven't been here.
0: They haven't been here yet. In
1: episode 35. Welcome
0: back to our podcast, episode number 35. This is new
1: territory. It is. It's episode 35.
0: Um, So I just wanted to ask really quickly what you guys thought of my new haircut.
1: We're not doing it on. Uh, we're not on Twitch.
0: I know that's what I thought it was or, funny. Yeah,
1: or YouTube. We're got my call, haircut
0: this week. We're gonna call YouTube down. <laughs> yeah.
1: Ask me what I think of it. Do
0: you like my haircut? It's lovely. Thank you. I do like it.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, you did get your haircut. I I um I also got my haircut this week.
0: That's true. But you cut your hair every I week. I do
1: it myself. Well, no, it's I've done it less often. Yeah. But uh, I summertime. It's just, just, just uh, clippers set to zero.
0: Yeah, I don't know if I would. Um, well, you've been doing it for a long time, so. I've been doing I, it for a long time. Yeah, I think I'd be scared.
1: I well, it's because we were broke years ago, and you could buy clippers for fifty or sixty dollars or whatever it was, and never have to pay for a haircut again. That's really how it started because my hair was so short, I was getting it cut so frequently, it became expensive. Because I was going almost once a week. Right. Or once every two weeks, maybe. Um, So at a certain point, I'm like, well, this doesn't really require any skill. (laughs) So I can do it myself. Uh, And
0: you do a fabulous job. Yeah,
1: it's great. (laughs) It is great. Although then the problem is everybody thinks you're bald. And you're like... Bald, bald. Yeah.
0: You mean I could have been dating this hair the whole time? (laughs) Yes,
1: yes. It is kind of like that episode, actually, uh, because I know for sure if I grew it back out normally, yes. that it would not look like it used to. <laughs> but it's not. It's uh, we don't really have the baldness gene.
0: That is true. In my
1: family, because you know it comes from your mother's side. I sounded like George Costanza. Yeah, my you. mother. Your mother's side. <laughs> my mother has His never mother. left.
0: Not a teehee, not a hot. That's not true. My
1: mother laughed all the time. That is true. But George Costanza's, Estelle Costanza did not laugh.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, I'm wearing my Seinfeld t-shirt.
0: That is true. As a matter of fact. We were referring to the episode, if you hadn't seen it, where Elaine's dating a gentleman who's been shaving his head for so long because he was a swimmer and he just kept it up. And then she saw his driver's license with a full head of hair and then he decides to it back and in fact he's bald. <laughs> he's balding balding yeah it's got a year left <laughs>
1: <laughs> live damn it live <laughs> all right
0: so this week was pretty um i was gonna say uh in our lives in i'm our still real looking lives. for a job um yeah. i had a second interview for a company and i've been ghosted <laughs> yeah
1: yeah i don't get that at all
0: i know and the funny thing i was thinking about this so i i was reached out by a recruiter not the other way around, about a job opportunity, right away, first interview, right away, second interview, and then it's like crickets after that, where they wanted to make a decision fast and everything, and that's the thing I keep thinking about, it's like, you came to me, you know, so I think that any recruiter, if that's part of your job, is to like, follow up with a person and say, hey, they're taking longer on their side, no decision has been made, that's all I really want to know. Um, maybe
1: it's maybe Michael Scott is the one making the decision maybe and he doesn't want to deliver bad news. I'm not saying it'd be bad news for you yes I'm saying he doesn't want to deliver bad news to somebody. That's true. Um, I, by the way, I don't mean to change the subject no, but you can't. I, I feel like I kind of have to apologize for the last uh, show because we we always we actually listen to the recording before we, we sure do post it which is you know that's very professional pro tip listen before you post it but we're listening to it and i'm like god i sounded awful i sounded um uh i don't know if it was angry or just like it was sort of like frenetic like i was talking too fast and i was going and going and going and when we were sitting here at the desk recording it it didn't seem that crazy to me and then when we listened to it back and jennifer can confirm this i was like i don't want to post this i was embarrassed actually
0: we decided to post it anyway. We posted um, it anyway, but
1: if you listen to it, I apologize. I got a little worked up. I wasn't like, I don't think I was yelling. like you raising were not my yelling. Voice, but I was talking really fast, and it was more intense than, because you got to think when you do a podcast, people are just listening. And if the sound is like strained and over the top or whatever, you um, I don't know, I was not happy with it, and i I apologize
0: all right I don't
1: take back anything I said.
0: <laughs> everything was true. everything
1: was one thousand percent correct
0: but I do think that but if you're tones. talking about topics that are heated or um, just you know make you frustrated and things like that yeah. it's it is a, a natural reaction to get hyped up about things like that
1: yeah and that and that was definitely the case mm-hmm. and I do think. You know it's weird because we've talked about, um, and we were even talking about this a little bit last time, talking about how, you know, with social media you, you have an opera, you have pl- a platform that you never had before. And I know for, like, for a lot of people in politics, and I, I think this is uh, like a lot of times for men in politics in particular, you know, there's always this sense that you don't have a voice, you're being silenced, or whatever. And then social media comes along and you feel like you kind of have like this platform that never existed before. And some, it's kind of, I mean, I'm laughing at myself, but sometimes it's like you're, you want to grab people by the, by the lapels and say, listen to what I'm
0: saying. You know, right, right.
1: and you go back to where, how it used to be. If you, you know, your only way of getting your, you know, a message out to the public was like, you could write a letter to the editor. Um, you know you could maybe you know write a book and hope a publisher would publish it or something like that we had so many fewer ways to get um, our ideas across to, to people uh, uh, to many know. people you can always right. yell and scream at you know your neighbors or something like that which people still do but there were so many fewer ways to actually like speak to uh, the public in some sense I mean, you could carry around a Uh, A sign and and protest in a public square but but you didn't have that many ways of getting um your ideas out and now that we have all these ways of doing it it's like people are more over the top and more crazy and also i think have uh like a stronger sense of of being silenced you know, if somebody disagrees with you. People will say, "Oh, you're canceling me," or whatever. Or if you're criticized for what you say, we're way more sensitive to all that. And yet, it used to be that you had virtually no way to get a point across to a wider audience other than your, your immediate poor, family. <laughs> yeah, your poor, long-suffering wife, or whatever. You know. Uh, so anyway, I don't know. I think I'm a victim, I'm not a victim of it. I think I do that too, where you know, I get I get worked up about stuff and you know i don't know you would think having more ways to communicate in general would make people feel calmer. you know if you'd feel better about the fact that if i have something to say i can say it and someone out there in the world might hear it you know i don't know
0: yeah i think there's almost too many platforms now (laughs) to um keep up with and things like that but i did Make a comment if you um, haven't listened to David's other podcast. um, He had a episode about Sinead O'Connor, which I thought was tremendous. So I definitely want you to listen to that.
1: And what did you say?
0: That your voice was very calm. (laughs) (laughs) I I did. It was like it was soothing um, and uh, calm and uh, quiet. Uh, Yeah. Which is yeah. Thank
1: you. And that's kind of weird, but but I, I did another. I can't remember what the, uh, the the subject of the other podcast uh, the, of the other um, episode was but um, there was someone on Twitter who commented on Twitter and, and said that, that he had listened to it and he said that he thought my voice was very calming and soothing so maybe when I'm sitting by myself in my office right? Uh, somehow there is I, I bl- I'm going to blame you now <laughs> you're an enabler
0: <laughs> yes I'm like come on
1: <laughs> uh, no, let's amp this up you put up with too much of my nonsense so <laughs> when we're doing it together I feel more uh, yeah. more inclined to get a little agitated
0: but, but uh, you know obviously and that's a different topic and you know music and things like that so that is not an area where you necessarily get you know worked up about you know um, like politics and everything that's going on in the world and stuff that we talk about on here
1: that's true, except that you know I, my, this not the exclusive subject of it, but I, I talk a lot about The Clash, which is my favorite band, um, and, uh, and they were extremely political. Um, although it, it's interesting, they were political, but they really had kind of an interesting philosophy over the years. I mean, I think in you know, the very early days of the band, in the mid 70s, they were angry and, and, and sort of loud and, and so forth. Um, always, I think, coming from a good place. But it was definitely, there was some intensity to everything they did. But if you if you go back and f- listen to or read things that, that Joe Strummer had to say, you know, he always talked about this sort of like the, the ethos of punk rock not being yelling and screaming and getting in people's faces, but really sort of like the opposite of that, like like being respectful, being, having a certain kind of self-discipline about how you approached your life and your music um, he always talked about you know his one of his famous quotes was he would always say without people you're nothing it was all all about building a community and and, and um, you know and and having some kind of like and respecting people so it's really interesting that, that despite that background their philosophy was much more like you know, Uh, let's build something positive through the music rather than let's tear everything down and be destructive so you know I I think though but but there was you know I'm tripping over myself and contradicting myself but there was a certain amount of anger in their music but they also sort of had this philosophy that anger can be either a destructive force or a creative positive force and you might be justified in being angry about your life and your circumstances, or you know, lousy things that people and governments do to other people, and so forth. But you can take that anger and be creative and positive with it, or you can just be angry and not have a direction to go. And I think you know, it, it's sort of too bad that Joe Strummer, um, who died in 2002, you know, he didn't live long enough to see. Social media, and he, I think, would have had a very different take than than a lot of us. And I, you know, I, I'm not, a, um, <laughs> I'm not afraid to criticize myself for for the way I sometimes react to things. Um, anyway, that was a weird
0: It would tangent. be, it would be, um, it would be cool to see how people in that um, realm. Would be on social media now. Yeah. Like, would they? Probably, I'm sure they would in some capacity, because almost any, if almost anybody, if you're going to be touring or making music right. or something, you have to have a platform or stuff. But it would just be interesting to see how people like that would um, deal with yeah. that.
1: And there are artists, there are artists who use social media really just to sort of promote whatever. And th- and I'm not saying that that that's a negative thing. I actually think that's fine. That's a perfectly legitimate use. For, for social media, but like Bruce Springsteen, we, were, we just saw earlier in the week, we're recording this on Saturday night, it, I, I wanna say it was on Thursday maybe? I think we so saw, um, They posted on, you know, on Facebook, on Instagram. Twitter and everything like that, Instagram, <clears throat> pardon me, like a two or three minute video of highlights from the European part of his tour, which began in April, I wanna say. Um, so he had done a few dates in the U.S., went to Europe. Now he's back in the states. In fact, he's going to be at Wrigley Field in Chicago soon. Um, but um, you we know, were not
0: in that video. We were not. But
1: but he did have. He, there were one or two little clips from Ireland. Now, of course, he played three shows in Ireland, so we don't know if if one of those was ours. Um, but but uh, I was just thinking of something else. But but you know, but it was kind of neat. Um, it was a neat remembrance because that was it was such a, a great concert that you know um, we went to. But I don't know why I th- I think about this. But I, I really feel like Steve Van Zandt, at least the show we saw in Ireland, and I've right. seen photographs from some of the other shows that they did in the European leg of the tour. I think he was he was sort of trolling a lot of people because when he came out on stage with the band, he was sort of dressed like a Victorian woman. Yes. He had this, you know, he he wears very loud, flowery clothes and so forth. But he had a long coat on that could have been a woman's coat, could have been a man's coat, whatever. He always wears boots that have kind of high heels anyway. So he kind of, you know, the boots and the coat could possibly, you know, have been a woman's boots of coat. They're not, but, I mean, they could have been. But then he also had this giant sort of floppy hat with flowers and everything like that. It looked very much like a woman's hat. I feel, I'm like 99% sure he was kind of doing that on purpose to just (laughs) to... Kind of, Just mess
0: him, him. <laughs> kind
1: of give a middle finger to you know transphobic people in the world but then you know he took the hat and the coat off when it played and, and he wouldn't have known it but i you know seeing him come out on stage i'm like and of course there's the giant screens um showing the band as they walk out on stage and I'm right
0: like, i
1: i think steve's messing with some people
0: good for <laughs> sticking it <laughs>
1: sticking it good for him
0: It is true though. It was easier easy for us to get tickets to Ireland to see Bruce Springsteen, (laughs) and we tried to get them in Chicago where we live, and we were unsuccessful. Yeah,
1: that was kind of. So it
0: is actually. uh, I don't even know if you remember this or heard this, but the person who was there was a group of people in front of us that, obviously, you're standing there for a few hours, so you get to see the people around (laughs) you and stuff like that, and not try to eavesdrop it, but you can hear what they're saying. But that gentleman had gone to all three Dublin. Um, shows. Yeah. And so um, that is a feat in and of itself. but um, one of when I had said you know how he waited up in, uh, to get tickets at two o'clock in the morning to get him Ireland time. Um, it, the whole transaction was probably 40 minutes or so, so it yeah. wasn't, like, um, yeah. crazy or anything like that. But then a lot of people said to me, like, that's a great idea, you know, because it's, like, not that there's yeah. any, not competition, or, you know, overseas to get tickets, but maybe that could be an option. Obviously, there's the flights and the hotels and stuff like right. so it's not, not an uh, inexpensive um, thing, but if you're planning a vacation around it, um, it could be amazing.
1: Right, and we were, you know, I think we had said this before, so I won't belabor the point. But we had already talked about wanting to go back to Ireland, not necessarily within a year right. of, of our first trip, but that was already something um, on our minds. And then, you know, when we thought about going to the Springsteen show, we said, well, if we do that, we can combine it with seeing more of the country and going to places outside of Dublin, not just not just staying in Dublin. And that worked out really nicely so
0: it sure did so highly recommend
1: yeah if you're if you're already gonna I mean if it's if it's a destination that you already want to go to like I know someone that I followed on uh, that I follow on Twitter I guess um, went to Paris to see Beyonce Mm -hmm. right now I mean there's a lot of reasons why you might want to go to Paris anyway and if you have an opportunity to go to a concert um, you know it kind of makes sense
0: and oh. A friend of mine from high school went to the Paris show of Bruce yeah. the following week after we did. And the funny thing that she said, uh, obviously since we're the same age, she said, how is it standing for so long? And I was like, we survived and uh, we walked back to our hotel after, but uh, it is something that you um, have to have some sort of stamina to um, yeah. stand for five hours. <laughs>
1: Well, that's the thing, too, is that, you know, um, it's one of those experiences that you go, you you know, you you know there are going to be aspects of it that could be unpleasant because, for example, you go to Ireland, go to an outdoor concert in May, there's a good chance you're going to get rain down and and we did. Um, I'm glad that the rain stopped before the show. Yes. You know, because it probably would have been worse to be, well, I don't know, it, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't great to stand there for an hour to get rained on. But you know, you have to kind of like have the mentality that that that's part of the experience. Um, you know, it's not going to, there are going to be some physically demanding parts of it.
0: And I think it's funny that leading up to our trip, we kept on looking at the weather we all know it's never going to stay the same from the yeah. next following week. But every, you know, the week before, even 10 days before, it's like, oh, it's not supposed to rain on that, that Tuesday or whatever. And then as it got closer, it's just like, oh, it might rain. And then it, sure enough, it did.
1: Although overall, we had good weather. We it did. It just happened to be that, you know, there was a, a downpour for about an hour. Before and the show lucky started. that
0: I got a poncho, I bought a poncho off a street vendor for five you euros. Um, and so I did not get um, soaking wet, yeah. which was good.
1: Yeah, and it was worthwhile. I, it's funny, I don't know how like musicians, I mean, like Bruce and them, they're all old, and there's, uh, so I, I think they kind of approach it like old folks, um, and in that they don't necessarily, they're not, they're not like taxing themselves any more than they have to. They tax themselves during the performance. For sure. But they, you know, like on this tour, he always had at least a day off in between shows. Um, but I always think about how like when we were young and and a lot of these bands were were still young and people would go out musicians would go out on tour and they would party like crazy and you know a lot of times that meant they would be drinking a lot or doing drugs and everything like that and in my mind even like back when I was in high school I'd be like you have this opportunity to go literally see the whole freaking world if half the time or more, you're either completely drunk or stoned, or you're like- Cast hum- out. <laughs> yeah, right. You, or hung over and recovering from it. Like, why would you want to deprive yourself of the experiences of like going to Japan, going to Latin America, going to Europe, you know? Right, I, instead I just, and
0: have a memory of it, instead right, of just being like, right. where was I last night? And I,
1: I mean, I guess, I guess that was part of the experience, but, You know, because we didn't do a lot of traveling when I was growing up. I was, you know, I was of this mentality of like, God, if you could go to Europe or go to Asia or go someplace and you're getting paid, it's not a vacation, you're getting paid to go there, but you could actually get out and see stuff and do stuff and be with, you know, people who live in these other, why wouldn't you want to just take advantage of that? I don't know, that's not the... uh, Yeah. That's, nobody asked us that nobody asked us although i will say i will say it does sometimes lead to some unusual and sort of um uh cool things because speaking of the clash there's a wild story that i read about recently where joe stromer and, and this was after the clash he was playing on his own or something he was out on tour or whatever and he's at some hotel after a show where there's a big party and lo and behold either at that same party or some other party in the same hotel I don't know um, Bob Weir from The Grateful Dead is there
0: that's weird
1: and they end up crossing paths and having a conversation and it turns out to be like an hours long conversation and they became good friends two people that's so weird yeah two people at completely opposite sort of ends of the, the spectrum musically although it in you know there's some there's some similarity in the sense that they both were you know sort of rebellious in their own way and they were both very original and unique in their own way but but in very very different ways yes. from one another
0: but they were able to bridge that yeah. or whatever and
1: so that but it became a really cool thing and and um, you know, Bob Weir became like a, like a big fan of, uh, or maybe he already was, who knows. That's true. And uh, I don't think that they ever played together cause, because unfortunately Joe died very young. Mm-hmm. But uh, Bob has recorded like some Clash songs and he did a, a cover of the song Death or Glory. He recorded it with Jesse Malin, who's, we talked about before. Yes, we did. Um, a great uh, New York City singer-songwriter Huge Clash fan, um, who I haven't I haven't looked into it lately, but he uh, had a, uh, a very serious health scare, and we, that's what we talked about mm-hmm. a few a few weeks and ago. fundraiser, yeah, but so you know, I guess some of that partying and that crazy lifestyle can lead to um, you know some kind of some kind of cool things. So anyway, um, not really sure what else is new.
0: Well, uh, since we're talking about musicians and uh, people in entertainment, um, I was saddened to hear about Pee Wee Herman this week.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like we've had all of these bad Tony Bennett, uh, obviously Sinead O'Connor we talked about last time, Pee Wee Herman, yeah.
0: And I did read uh, that he was sick for... The last six years dealing with cancer, but yeah. he just didn't um, announce it just because he didn't want people right. to know kind of thing. So it's always like in that thing where you think, oh my gosh, that person, he was only 70. So, I mean, he yeah. wasn't um, old, uh, you know, to um, that, but you just feel bad that somebody kept that to themselves. But, you know, obviously, I'm not, uh, uh, if we're not famous people. I probably would do the same thing, you know, just to have some sort of privacy and not have people yeah. on your doorstep every. You know yeah how you're doing and
1: it's a, it's a weird thing too because it's like part of it I think is that you you don't want to bring people down you know you know the fans um, you know don't necessarily want to, I don't know you don't want people to be uh, feeling lousy about it the people have enough going on in their lives that are you know challenging things th- things going on in their own families and everything. So part of it I think is not wanting to add that, you know, sort of burden to, on people. But part of it too, I think is, like you said, is um, wanting the privacy. And I think that's totally legit.
0: Cause probably over the years, people would have badgered him all the time. Like, how are you doing? What's yeah. your treatment like? What's the prognosis? All that stuff.
1: Yeah, it must be a weird um, a weird position to, to be in. I, I know, um, we recently, Richard Lewis has talked a lot about. You know, he's going through Parkinson's, dealing with Parkinson's, which, you know, um, is always bad. But of course, he's he's definitely up there age-wise, and and so, I would imagine it would just be even more challenging um, to to deal with it at an older age. I don't know. It's a it's a bad thing whenever it might happen, but he's been pretty open about it. I think he was on Mark Marin's podcast recently talking about it.
0: I was just thinking, so Mark Maron is still doing his podcast, I believe right? believe so. Okay. Yeah,
1: yeah. WTF. <laughs>
0: um, in his garage? <laughs> in his garage. Uh,
1: you know, so, I mean, I guess in, in that um, situation, you know, he decided, but, uh, you know, but, but he could live for many, many more years, and yet, you know, the the physical signs of Parkinson's can be obvious. So it may just be in that situation, you almost feel like you have to kind of be public with it because people are gonna start asking questions or you disappear from public view. Cause he's, you know, he's had something of a resurgence in his career with Curb Your Enthusiasm and mm-hmm. things like that. Um,
0: or make false, you know, um, put stuff online that, or um, right. that's not true. Yeah,
1: today that, that can really happen. Yeah, and I was also not to change the subject from Wee Herman, but I, you know, the Tony Bennett thing, I mean, you know, it's not surprising given his age and so forth, but it's still such a sad thing because, you know, it's not like I listened to a lot of Tony Bennett music over over my life. But at the same time, he's been a fixture forever in pop music, and he's one of those people who just always tried to connect with you know every generation so he you know he recorded with lady gaga and other people because i don't think it was you know sometimes for an artist that might seem a little <laughs> pathetic <laughs> like like an artist is trying to stay relevant right. when, when they're not in his case i think it was very different i think in his case like with johnny cash who did a lot of recordings with people later i think for in him life, it
0: was like more of like a mentorship you know kind yeah, of thing and
1: i i just think that he got what these younger artists were doing, even though he came from a very different place. For sure, Johnny Cash was like that. You know, he was obviously a, a you know, country artist, born and bred. But he, he was into Bob Dylan because he understood where Bob Dylan was coming from. He could record, you know, a nine-inch nail song, because he could understand where Trent Reznor was coming from. I guess. You know, um, he recorded with Joe Strummer. He record, they, Joe Strummer and he recorded a Bob Marley song together. Um, you know, so I, I don't think there's anything fake about that. I think for some artists, it's just that, you know, they never stopped being the artists they were at the beginning of their career. Like Johnny Cash was, he was a country artist, but he wasn't your everyday country artist. He was a country artist who went and did live concerts at, you know, San Quentin prison. Yeah. and recorded them and put them out on uh, on vinyl on you know on record um, he's a guy who had a tr- again he had a, a variety television show where he invited people like Bob Dylan to come and play and I don't think at any point in his life his perspective about artistry and music really changed like he always had a sort of a cutting-edge mentality even though he had been making music for all those decades but the other thing that gets me about tony bennett and this is equally true of somebody like johnny cash and a lot of artists sort of of their their era um is that you know they were way ahead of the curve too in terms of thinking about civil rights and stuff like that and you know tony bennett famously got involved in all kinds of civil rights causes early in his career and later in his life supported the queer community too and what i think about when i think about somebody like that and you know and my parents were like that too my parents got involved in in trying to integrate our hometown and the schools in our town when we were very young and i always think you know when something surfaces that a person said many many years ago their defenders will always say oh but that's just the way things were i mean we even hear this about you know about slavery oh well that's just the way things were back then but in every generation, there's people, and not just an individual. People there are always people like Tony Bennett, who are better than the like the accepted morality of their time. I mean, I think that's true of my parents. My mom told me that was true of her parents. Um, you know, go back to the days of slavery. You know, John Brown didn't sit around waiting for Abraham Lincoln to sign the Emancipation Proclamation. He was willing literally to die to try to bring an end to slavery. There there are always people who are better than the kind of general morality of their day. And in my opinion, it's not an excuse. When you know people like that have always existed, I just don't think it's an excuse today to say, well, this is acceptable today. It's either right or wrong. It's not like you can say, well, slavery was okay because people accepted it or racism was okay because people accepted it or Jim Crow was okay because people accepted it because there were people who knew better. You that know. Is so true. And there've always been people who knew better and you know, that to me kind of undermines the excuse that we have for for not being better in our own time. Anyway. I
0: totally agree with that.
1: Anyway, He was a pretty cool dude, Tony
0: Bennett. For sure. Uh, We're at our uh, we're at our stopping point now. We're at time. We're at time. Uh, So we appreciate you um, listening to a quieter version of our podcast. Hopefully, a quieter version. (laughs) Well,
1: well, when we play it back, I'll be like,
0: Jesus Christ, (laughs) the hell! We're not posting this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah. I quit.
0: So thanks for listening to us, and uh, we'll be back next week with another episode. See you later. Have a
1: great week.